Hello, my fellow crazy dog lovers. Welcome back. I'm Emily, and this is Flynn. Although it brings me great joy to bring you this podcast, I don't want to act like everything is okay. We have some really rough times right now, and there are people hurting, and we need to support each other, love each other, and reach out to each other. Ask your friends what you can do for them. I hope today's episode brings you a little bit of joy and a smile to your face. Hootie was brought back to Jacksonville in a cat carrier that I don't think his head would even fit in now. Today's guest is Patty. I happened to meet her at work. Patty and I were working on a project together and somehow got around to the topic of dogs. Well, then, once you get talking about dogs with another dog lover, it's like your old friends, right? You get to talk about your dog and you share pictures and all sorts of stories. Patty has a yellow English lab named Hootie. My favorite story, probably the one about the pool, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Enjoy. Tell us about Hootie. Is he a certain breed or what does he look like? Give us a visual. Hootie is our beloved yellow Labrador retriever. He is an English lab, which means he tends to have the bigger head and the beaver type tail and the barrel chest, which is different from the American labs that you often see here in the States with longer legs, a little bit leaner. A lot of those labs are used in the fields, uh, you know, hunting and things like that. But Hootie's sort of a big, lovable yellow Labrador. So hopefully that'll (laughs) help your audience get a visual of him. Yeah, and that helps that you did the uh, distinction of, you know, the two different kinds. He was a little harder to find. As I mentioned, the American labs are more prevalent. And we had looked um, locally here in Jacksonville, but again, they were all very lean and kind of leggy. And my husband's grown up with the English lab. And so we had to travel north for him. Uh, We went to New Hampshire, actually. Uh, Mm. We were fortunate to go when the litter was only four weeks old and we had pick of the litter. (laughs) Well, I should say two were reserved uh, for show. They were going to go into the show rink, Um, but it was a smaller litter, four yellow males and a black female. His father was a yellow lab and his mother was a black lab. Um, And the breeder was just simply wonderful. She asked us at four weeks what we planned to call our dog. And we shared, you know, we were going to call him Hootie. And from that moment on, she used his name. So when we picked him up at nine weeks, he already knew his name. And he would come when you would say Hootie. He would perk up and know that was him. And um, Oh, nice. That's great. It was incredible. She really paid attention to detail. She interviewed us as much as we interviewed her about, you know, the health and well-being of the animals. Um, She also trained the the puppies to relieve themselves on newspaper. And this came in really handy because Hootie was brought back to Jacksonville in a cat carrier that I don't think his head would even fit in now. But (laughs) at the time he was in the cat carrier. So he flew in the cabin of the airplane. 
And when they landed in Miami um, 11 and a half years ago, uh, there used to be a small area in one of the concourses that had an outdoor patio. So you didn't have to exit security and come back. You could go out into this patio. And my husband likes to tell the story where he was just the cutest little puppy. And so all the ladies just thought he was the cat's meow. But he simply (laughs) put down the newspaper in this little concourse area and Hootie took care of business and they went on to their next flight and he came home. So uh, it, wow. again, she was an incredible breeder. Uh, yes. We found ourselves very fortunate to have been given the opportunity to, you know, care for one of her pups all these years. Did, have you stayed in touch via like email or anything or just sending we pictures have. now and then? We, yeah, every nice. year we tend to send her a picture from somewhere. Um, yeah. We travel quite a bit with Hootie. And so at one of the state parks, we'll take a picture of him. Um, we've taken pictures of Santa and him. So she usually gets a yearly update from us uh, <laughs> just to check in and say everything is going well. Oh, she must love that. That's really great. That's the way it should be. That sounds like a perfect relationship. She really cared. She interviewed you. You did the same. And that's that to me is uh, excellent on both sides. That's how it's supposed to be if you're going to go ahead and get a pure, you know, purebred dog. So yay. That's wonderful. Well done on everybody's side. (laughs) And I appreciate, um, you know, there are many homeless pets that need Mm -hmm. homes and you know, knock on wood, it will be a little bit of time before we're looking for our next pet, but um, we maybe are more receptive to that moving forward. Uh, But I do think if you are going to find a purebred, it's that responsible breeder that you're really looking for that is doing it for the right reasons and is making sure the pets find the right homes. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent points for sure. That's really great. And oh, you have to explain where Hootie comes from, because it's a really unusual name. Yeah, I think everybody, they think Hootie and the Blowfish, which was pretty popular right around, he's 11 and a half. So it was popular then and maybe a little earlier than Hootie. Um, But that wasn't the inspiration. As we started looking at names, uh, Wes's family has always had dogs with two syllabus in two syllabus in the name. So um, like Deacon and Buster and Curry. And, and, and so I knew I couldn't have a really long name. Um, right. And so one morning I came in and I said, what about Hoot? And he, my husband kind of, you know, tilted his head and like a dog would do sort of and said, I like it. <laughs> and then from there he became Hootie. And uh, it's, it's, we joke, it's hard to be, upset with a dog named Hootie because typically it's such a happy name. And when you say it, you tend to smile and um, he's, he, he is that good boy. And I think Hootie and the Blowfish had a song, always want to be with you. And that's what he is. He just Uh, is like stuck to our sides, no matter where we're at. So nice. Wonderful. He's turned out to be a wonderful dog for sure. (laughs) All right. So this is really hard, right? Because you've had him for 11 years or so. But can you come up with one word that you think really suits your dog? Yeah, that is hard, right? It would be, you know, it's hard, those important people in your life to boil it down to one word. I would say for us, for we would probably say loving. He's Mm. just 
he is just an 85 pound lap dog. He just <laughs> is, oh, I mean, wagging tails and kindness. And he just, he just wants to be near you. When we're at the kitchen table and he's underfoot, he is touching either me and or my husband at all times. He just uh-uh. wants to be close in close proximity and he shares our bed i know the people out there are probably going what and i remember the pivotal moment in our relationship where my husband said well i I think i'd like to have him come into the bed i said well this isn't something we can go back on once we make this decision it's uh forever so my husband's six three uh, about oh, wow. 225 pounds. Um, I'm about five, five. Um, <laughs> and I weigh blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, Hootie's 85 pounds. And so we have a king size bed and it can get crowded, especially oh, in the gosh. summer. You don't mind the warmth in the winter, but sure. in the summer it can get, uh, it can get a little <sighs> bit tight and he likes to be in the middle. So, There have been mornings when I've just gotten up and come into the guest bedroom because I've been pushed out for one reason or another. So, Uh, but he 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 just really really likes that uh, sleeping in a heap, sleeping in a pack. I you know I he just likes he likes that. So we're happy to accommodate. Uh, You do the sheets a lot when your dog sleeps with you because uh, there's sand and dirt. Oh gosh, yeah, true. All kinds of other things. So. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> no, you're definitely not in the minority from people I talk to. So many people let their dog get in the bed with them. And I actually don't. I'll let Flynn, I snuggle with him a little bit. And then I ask him to go back to either, you know, his pillow or at least on the floor somewhere. Because sometimes the pillow, he's too warm on that. But you are definitely part of a huge uh, number of people that allow that. So you know, I'm probably the weirdo that doesn't. (laughs) Well, I would say maybe you're the wiser of (laughs) of the two of us because it, it, it brings its own dynamics. And uh, sometimes if you are maybe wrestling with something in your professional life or your personal life and the dog kind of wakes you in the middle of the night, sometimes it can get hard, hard to go back to sleep. Um, Mm, So I don't know that we would do it again. uh, But there's no going back now. So yeah, right. It's a done deal now. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. How does Hootie inspire you? Or you could even go into how he makes you laugh either one. Oh, that's just such a great question. I think there's a famous quote that I've seen. um, As you can imagine, we get just all kinds of magazines. Um, Orvis is a magazine that we love. They have great dog beds for those with older dogs. They have some memory foam that's really, really nice. And um, other magazines that we get. And I think I've seen this quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, right, that we aspire to be the person our dog thinks we are. Um, So um, although he has spondylosis now um, and he no longer takes long walks with us, he has inspired my husband and I to really get out and explore the outdoors. Just this morning, we went for a six and a half mile hike in a nearby conservation area. We went for a six mile hike yesterday. We're on our bikes. Um, He really just 
when he was younger, he had the energy. And so if we went on a six mile hike, he probably went on a 12 mile hike, right? Because he would run up and he'd run back to you and then he'd run up and then he'd run back to you. Um, And so that's really where we, you know, we both loved the outdoors when we met and, and were fairly, you know, active with that. But a dog makes you more active. They sort of hold you accountable in that way because they need those three walks a day. He still gets probably three or four. He for sure gets three walks a day. Some days he gets four or five. And being a lab, he just doesn't mind the water. He doesn't mind if it's like a torrential downpour outside. He still (laughs) wants to go. So we're in like rain gear, galoshes, umbrellas. And, you know, he's just kind of shaking off every few feet. You know, he gives himself a good shake. But um, yeah, he's, he's just really, really taught us that part is to just get out and enjoy the outdoors, no matter the weather, no matter the heat, no matter the bugs, just don't right. find excuses, just get out, yeah. just do it, like he says, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. And it's, what's great is that they, they do get us out. Like, you know, this has kept me more social during this time. I can walk a distance from my neighbors, but still have some social time. And he gets me, you know, Flynn gets me on a schedule and, and there's just things you have to do. And as he's a border collie, so they're high energy, just like a lab. And you are not going to sit inside, whether whatever the weather is. And, and I think I we it. would say we've lived in our neighborhood since the mid nineties. So pretty established, mm-hmm. um, neighborhood. And Hootie has really made those connections. We have uh, our neighbors, we're not too close together. It's an older neighborhood. So there's about, everybody's about on an acre. Um, And we've, Hootie has, is the connection. So many times the first thing a neighbor will reminisce about when they met us is Hootie's involved in the conversation. I remember when he was a puppy or I remember that day that, you know, he was hopping around and had the ball in his mouth or whatever it might be. So it, it can be a great way to start conversations with people that you maybe don't know or are new to the neighborhood and, and when they Very see true. you out three or four times a day, you become familiar to them, even if you haven't spoken. And then that breaks down that barrier. And before you know it, you know, you know each other much, much better. So uh, we, we, we think he is sort of the mini mayor of our neighborhood. He goes around and is checking to see how everybody's doing. And even with social distancing, he loves um, some of our neighbors' dogs, and we let him. We have a retractable leash. He can really go about twelve feet, and so we let him go over and say hello to them, and and then he comes back to us. So right, um, <laughs> you can social distance even with a retractable leash. So yes, yeah, that's <laughs> what I have too for Flynn. Yes, and that is really well said. That how dogs help us in so many different ways. You know, they inspire us and challenge us and and just help tie us together with other humans because they are pack animals to begin with. If you could take Hootie and go anywhere or do anything, what would it be? Do you have anything on the bucket list still left or have you already done it since you have a an RV, correct? 
We do have an RV. My husband jokes that we bought the RV because of Hootie, right? So, and that is probably a true statement. Uh, I worked in a previous life for an airline. So I have incredible travel benefits as part of my retirement, but we just really don't use them because he's, Hootie's a part of our life and um, we tend to not want to go somewhere where we can't take him. So we tend to travel certainly by car slash RV. Um, we try to get out, I would say around six weeks a year. Uh, we tend to go more, our, our kind of prime time is from October to March. So we were fortunate this year, we had just returned from our last trip to a state park here in Florida. And it was only come one day cut one day short from the pandemic. So we were really lucky to get that in. State parks in Georgia and Florida are just incredible and probably very underutilized for the most part. Cloudland Canyon up in northwest Georgia is incredible, like a mini Grand Canyon. And we rent a cabin up there in October. Um, So we take him pretty much wherever we can. The Georgia State Parks allow pets in their cabins. The Florida State Parks don't and hence that's why we went and got the rv but our favorite (laughs) Uh, park is great and beach state park it's out in the panhandle and i guess if i could take him anywhere we certainly already take him there and we take him to the park but that's one beach um, that you're not allowed to take pets on and i have to tell you it is gorgeous white sand turquoise water Our neighbors all know we go there. And just yesterday, our neighbor said to us, you know, that Dr. Beach, Grayton Beach was in the top 10 beaches in the, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's in the country or in the world, but it made the list again. It's that incredible, those beaches. But to get a pet on that beach, you either have to live in, well, you have to live in the area and have a permit. So we're always out of luck when we go there. But that would probably be the one place because he is a water dog. Mm -hmm. He will swim all day long. I mean, if you let him. And so the ocean's kind of nice because you don't really have the alligators that you need to worry about as much in an ocean. So and they, he tends to stay a little more shallow there. So, sure. but that would be the, that would be the place. Uh, Maybe someday if we ever buy a house over there, right. <laughs> we can we get him a permit. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's interesting that that's, you've been there repeatedly, but yeah, you can't enjoy it with your dog and that's how we are. They're family. We want them to be with us and everything and everywhere they can be. I I will say about the Georgia State Park, so oftentimes we go for fall colors in late October, early November, and um, oftentimes they have availability in their cabins, but I haven't been there one year where their pet cabins aren't sold out. So I do think sometimes businesses might be missing opportunities. I appreciate you can't maybe have all of your cabins be pet friendly because there are people with allergies, but- Typically, the ones that are vacant are the ones that don't allow pets. And these cabins that we go to in October and November, I tend to have to make that reservation uh, 10 months in advance, which is when they start allowing reservations in Georgia, because that's Mm. how quickly they fill up. So I do think that there's a market out there for accommodating people with pets. 
I know for many years, it seemed like the only hotels you could get, uh, take your dog to were sort of the lower end motels, right. uh, nothing against a motel six or La Quinta, but sometimes you want something a little bit nicer. So I really appreciate those resorts that allow you to bring your pet. And I don't mind paying an extra fee, uh, because I do want them to be part of whatever we're doing. You know, I would just say that to anybody out there. I know it's sometimes risky to allow people to bring pets to your house, but um, you can really open up your market if you do that. Because for the most part, people are responsible with their pets and make sure they're on flea treatment and not aggressive and things like that. No, I agree with you. There's a huge market for that because crazy people like us... (laughs) I call us the crazy dog lovers. We want our dogs with us. I mean, they're like I said, they're family and they just, I don't know. I just don't want to go anywhere. Nobody's going to take care of him as good as I do it as well as I do. And I, I want him to, you know, I just want to know he's safe. And I only feel that's with me. So I know it's ridiculous. My husband and I, when Hootie was young, we, our previous, we had a chocolate lab for 13 years that passed oh. away and we waited about it two years. I wasn't, it took me a little longer to, to mourn the passing of our, our previous lab. He was really my first dog. I didn't have dogs growing up. So oh. that, that process took me a little bit longer, sure. but we had committed to ourselves. Well, we're going to make sure that, you know, Hootie is comfortable going to, you know, a channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. overnight where we could go sure. away just ourselves. And oh, so okay. um, down the road, they had a doggy daycare. And so mm. two days a week, we would take them down there. And the owner had a young grandson. And when we would pull in, either I was taking him before work or my husband was, his grandson would yell, Udi's here, Udi's here, because he couldn't <laughs> quite get the H. And so he would come in and this little guy was, Hootie just would come and lick from his chin to his forehead. I mean, just <laughs> love this little kid. Um, oh. And they had a swimming pool in the back and the the owners would tell us during the day how other dogs would put plastic floating toys in this pool. And Hootie saw it as his primary job to get all of the toys out of the pool and safely on the land. But they other dogs didn't quite get the memo. So they said he would go for hours if they let him. You know, he would just keep getting the toys, bringing them back. And then the other dog would just put it back in the pool or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so they had overnight facilities and we, we went on a one night uh, trip to Dallas and I think my husband had a harder time than Hootie did. And that was the last <laughs> time he ever spent a night away. So uh, that was, I want to uh, say maybe eight years ago. <laughs> so right. Yes. Yeah. It didn't exactly work out. And then he, he kept going to daycare. Really, it was more just when he was younger, right? That socialization component. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was never a disobedient dog. He was very easy to train from the beginning. He didn't, you know, chew drywall or molding or anything uh-huh. that he shouldn't. Um, sure. but as he got older, that daycare became a little tougher because, you know, they'd come home with bumps and scrapes and <laughs> right. True. who knows what, you know, the bottom of the pool or, or, you yeah. know, what, so we kind of, dialed that back a bit but he he still loves to swim given any chance and any body of water 
he he's will, there. He will go. Yes. <laughs> Swimming pool to lake to, to ocean. It's been a wonderful life already with him. And then I'm sure life has really changed with him, of course, getting older. But can you explain, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but is it spondylosis? Is that how you say it? Exactly. Spondylosis. Okay. So we actually discovered that he had that four years ago. Mm. Um, we noticed one morning that, you know, as, as we're saying here in this interview, how we're very in tune with our pets. We don't have children, my husband and I, so he's our four-legged child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one morning, my husband was walking him and he noticed um, his flow of urine was very, very limited. And so that obviously caused us concern. So we took him to the vet immediately. And rightfully so, our vet thought maybe it was just sort of some type of urinary tract infection. So antibiotics, it was a Friday. I'll never forget that. Uh, Um, But by Monday, he hadn't improved. Uh, uh, Still really, really limited flow. Um, So we took him in and they did some preliminary x-rays and saw that he had bladder stone. As your listeners can imagine, when pets have difficulty urinating that can quickly turn fatal. And so they ended up having 150 bladder stones removed. Um, And it was that x-ray also showed a little bit of spondylosis. But at that point, four years ago, that wasn't our primary concern. It was those bladder stones that were really 150. (laughs) I can't get over that number. (laughs) Sorry. It's yeah. The surgeon called my husband during the surgery. And when my husband said to me, 150 bladder stones like you, I said, are you sure he didn't say 15 or like, wasn't there like 50 miscommunication there? Right. Um, (laughs) But no, later they sent us some pictures and some of them were were fairly large. So um, that was very, very traumatic. So he had to have a surgery and get that taken care of. And then really, really healthy, I would say for three years. And I'd say over the last year, the spondylosis is maybe rearing its head a little bit more. We go to an acupuncturist uh, once, twice a month, I should say, for acupuncture. He has laser therapy, um, and he's also on some Chinese herbs. She's incredible. She is trained vet from the University of Florida. I really have been appreciative that we've been able to find an alternative way to keep him comfortable because there are certainly pharmaceuticals, right? Duramax is something that you're seeing more and more pets on because of the arthritis. Um, and he is on Duramax, but we've been able to maintain a pretty low dose of that because I believe we've had these other treatments. They have an underwater treadmill, so they do a lot of rehab. We, we are just trying to keep him comfortable um, so that's why we don't take him on those long hikes with us anymore because it's sure. he just doesn't have the stamina anymore. Could you explain what spondylosis is for people that aren't sure what that is? That's a great question. I don't know if I will get it exactly correct, oh, but it's okay, sort of sorry. where in the spine where there is sort of a bone-on-bone um, type of friction there. So it can cause 
some discomfort. There's actually like a fusion in the spine. And so um, it can add to just discomfort for the dog. But I would encourage the listeners to just read up on whatever issues may occur with your dog. So with the bladder stones, we were really out of our depth. We had great surgeon and we knew he would go in and take out the bladder stones. But when it became more of prevention and diet, I just hit the internet and I, you know, really looked for those discussion posts where it was perhaps people that had a similar experience and you could learn from maybe mistakes that they had made or things that they might, they had wished they had done differently. And, Mm. you know, they would often reference who the, you know, universities in the country were the experts at figuring out why these stones happen. So that's sort of what I would encourage. I actually found out about the acupuncture. We were on a hike um, at Cloudland Canyon many years ago. And at that time, Hootie was with us. Um, Mm. So probably, I guess maybe it was more like three years ago. And we had said that he had spondylosis. And this woman we met hiking said how acupuncture had helped her Australian shepherd uh, Uh with spondylosis. So it was something I kind of kept in the back of my mind as something to explore if it became, you know, more problematic for Hootie. And, And we were at a wellness fair. There was someone there that did acupuncture for humans. And I said, do you happen to know of anybody that does it for pets? And she said, actually in her office complex, there was somebody. So that's how that connection was made. I I think that that it's empowering to ask others and typically they're very willing to share their story. It's so true. And that's the part of the point of the podcast as well is to share and help each other because there's so many different things that can happen. And, um, you know, we, we never know what we're going to face with our dogs, but you take it, take it as it comes and do your best, you know, and just like you did, you research it and you ask questions and try to find people that have been through it or are going through it. Between COVID and the things that we're facing right now, and then just that your boy is getting older, do you feel that he's taught you anything recently and from, you know, his life experience, if you will, or from his point of view or through his eyes, if you will, do you feel like you've kind of gained any kind of knowledge from him? That's a great question. I, I think I would have to say that he, he has taught us to be present, to mm. enjoy the moment, to recognize that the moment is all we have and to right. maybe not worry about the past or the future. Um, I mean, you have to be aware and certainly you want to make the right decisions. Uh, but that mindfulness that our pets do so naturally, um, right. yeah. you know, when you go outside and you put the leash on, right, they're not thinking about what happened yesterday or four days ago, right? They're right. thinking about that moment and where I'm going to go and their yeah. nose up in the air and so <laughs> excited, tail wagging, um, yeah. I think those moments where we feel uncertain because of the pandemic and, uh, you know, just so much uncertainty around us. How will we as a nation emerge from this? How will our families emerge from this? Right. He is the constant to the reminder in our family is just to be present in the moment and to enjoy it and to know that they hopefully will last 
you know, our moments together will last for many, many more years, but they don't right. go forever and we should enjoy the ones that we have together. So I'd, I'd say that's what he has taught us. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I hope you enjoyed hearing another crazy dog lover story. And how'd you like that pool story? Like I said, one of my favorites. On the next episode, Patty will share about some tools that she's discovered as a dog mom. Look for it later this week. Until then, I wish you peace and health. <laughs>